in the same room in Liza's house. And my house. We haven't been in the same room since recording the podcast since Ashruba. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm Liza. And I'm Riz. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. sleeping and so much reading his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind by the time this episode comes out you'll have gone to your harry styles concert i was thinking i'm like tomorrow i'm gonna be like getting dressed and prepared when's the last time you saw harry styles in the flesh um, 2013? No. 16, yeah. I think, September 3rd, 2016. We said this last time, and I saw mine around the same time. It was my 1D round three extravaganza. So wild. I saw them twice in Toronto, once in Philly, once in Columbus, and then I saw them when they were when they were in Buffalo. And oh I was like, "You're at my house. You're at my ha- Harry's house. Harry's house. No, more like Riz's house. Oh, that's crazy. So yeah, Marissa's in New York for Harry Styles. Harry, but she was also here for September 6th mm-hmm. National Read a Book Day. Did you guys read? What'd you read? Tell us. We're going to wait. Uh-huh. Nice. Nice. It's like Dora the Explorer <laughs> when she's just standing there, like, waiting for you to answer the fucking question. And then you'd Hola, answer it. soy Dora. That was frightening. <laughs> Would you ever answer it, though, too quick, and then she'd still be standing yeah. there looking at you, and you'd be like, shut the hell up, but, like, say something. I'm like, red, red, rojo. And you'd be like, it's right behind, like, swiper no swiping. She'd be like, she had no fucking clue what was going on. I was like, come on. She's like, say, swiper no swiping. I'm like, (laughs) grab it. Punch it. Punch it in the dick. (laughs) Oh, swiper. Swiper. We hope you read. We're glad you read if you did read. And if you didn't read, Mm. are you canceled? Get to reading. Get to reading. What are you doing? It's a little sleeping, much reading. What the heck? Um, we said we're not going to just read one book on National Reading Book Day. We're going to read as many books as possible. We just ate books. We, we had, um, nom, nom, nom. Delicious. How many books did you read? I read two and a half before midnight, but then I finished one after midnight. Yeah. And pretty, like, you finished at, like, 1210. Yeah. So, I would say you read three books. Perfect. And I read three books and listened to one book. So, it's kind of like four movies. Yeah. Um, we did record voice memos, but then we completely, once we met up with each other, we said, I forget anything that I was supposed to do. We said, he, he, he. We said, he, he, he. So, maybe we'll insert our voice memos here. Yes. And then we'll do a recap. Okay, so it is eight minutes to midnight on the 6th of September, and I am officially about to start my reading challenge. I have nine books on my list. Um, I'm going to start with Recitatif by Toni Morrison, which is a short story that I bought a while ago and was going to start reading, but never really got around to fully reading it um so i'm gonna start with that let's check the page count um i picked books specifically that were all under 250 pages in my tbr um just because i thought that would make life a little easier but let's let's check recitative is only 40 pages so i'm starting with this one and i'm gonna hopefully finish it within the hour before i start this since it's not officially midnight yet i'll walk you through the other books i'm reading um the second book i'm reading is called love by maya etienne it's a novella um 
by an Israeli author, I believe. And it is about 100 pages. The next book I'm planning on reading, and I'm not going to get to all of these. We're not going to get to all of these, but these are all the books like that are potential will get to them. And not necessarily in this order, because y'all ever like reading? <laughs> are y'all ever reading? Are y'all ever reading and then like you get to the next book in your TBR and you're like, I don't want to read that right now. So you skip ahead to like a different book. I feel like that's going to happen in real time tomorrow. I also do want to say I have some like free audiobooks saved that I might end up adding to the challenge because right now uh, Marissa is 12 hours from being here or 12, I mean 12 hours from being in New York. So... I gotta get a few finishing touches done before she arrives, so I might listen to some audiobooks while I do that. So, forewarning. Um, another book I have that's an option to read is The Baddest Girl on the Planet by Heather Freese. And it is also pretty short. Let's see. 230 pages. Radicalizing Her, which is one of two nonfiction on this list by Nimi Garanthanathan. Okay, I'm so sorry. I literally butchered that. But I'm gonna figure out how to pronounce it when I actually talk about this book. Um, Also blame it on the fact that it's midnight, okay? This book is 130 pages. Another option, The Odyssey by Laura Williams, a novel, 230 pages. Another option, Maria Maria by Marzia Rubio, a collection of short stories, which is 230 pages. 230 is the sweet spot, it looks like. Another book of short stories, um, The Involuntary Sojourner by S.P. Tenhoff. 230 pages. What is happening? This is weird. This is a weird little um, coincidence. The second and last option for a nonfiction book, The Magical Language of Others, which is a memoir, 212 pages. And last but not least, another collection of short stories, The Dangers of Smoking in Bed by Marika, Marika, I'm so sorry, Mariana Enriquez. Clearly I'm not awake enough to be doing, talking anything right now, but I do feel like I can read the Toni Morrison. I feel like I'm in a good spot for that. Um, And The Dangers of Smoking in Bed is 187 pages. Let's see how many of these I can actually get through. And, um... I don't know how Marissa's gonna edit this, but let's see what what she's reading for the reading challenge and what she is starting with. I'm gonna go read Recitatif by Toni Morrison and touch base after that. Okay, so I just finished my first book. It's only 12.30, but I'm really tired. Um, so I will not be reading another one tonight. I think what I'll do. Yikes. Is wake up kind of early tomorrow and begin um, Love by Mayan Etienne. But I did want to just do a quick review of Recitative by Toni Morrison. Um, The book was beautiful and the writing was amazing and the story was great, obviously, because it was Toni Morrison. I got through it very quickly because I had actually already read the introduction, which is by Zadie Smith, um, previously, and I love the introduction. Um, Was this as good as Toni Morrison's other stuff? No, but I never thought it was going to be because it's, you know, a 40-page short story instead of a novel like Beloved or The Bluest Eye or Sula. That being said, like I said, I really liked the intro by Zadie Smith back when I read it, and I remember reading it and thinking I would use this essay, I would teach this essay in a class. 
And I was thinking the same thing about this short story um, because it's a very interesting case in character study. Um, the two main characters, one is black and one is white, but you don't know which one is which. And they never say. And you get clues, these con- quote-unquote context clues, but, you know, everything is based around stereotypes and a thousand different people could read this book and have a different analysis of which one is white and which one is black and the other really interesting thing is these two girls in the book at one point there's another character from their childhood and they can't remember whether she she was white or black um so it's a really interesting read in terms of that of race and also in terms of like i said a character study like how much do we need to be able to see a character and when i say see i don't necessarily even mean see visually i mean see if that makes sense it's 12 30 so it might not um but yeah i would definitely recommend picking up this book it's a tiny little thing and if you love tony morrison um it's like why not have this last little piece of her um to add to your collection and quick read good read i would give it i don't know are we doing it at five stars for this 3.5 4 i don't know uh, good love it slay good night and i'll see you tomorrow so the time is 8.07. I'm sitting at my gate and I'm starting my first book, which is Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw. So that was the one and only voice memo that I, Marissa, recorded simply because I was in the middle of traveling and it, I just felt so awkward to start talking about the book that I finished while I was on the plane. <laughs> so yeah but me and Liza do do a little recap of everything we read and talk about it at the end of this episode so stay tuned for that and you'll hear more from me and now the rest is all Eliza okay it is 8.46 and I literally just woke up um I started reading Love by Maya Etienne. I'm on page 14 of 100, but I feel like my brain hasn't woken up. So, I might need to, might need to adjust my brain for 15 minutes before I continue reading this. Um, yeah, let's see how fast I can get through this one. Okay, I finally woke up some more, read some more. Um, I only have about 25 more pages in the Maya Etienne, and it's a very quick read because it's kind of like prose poetry. But Marissa is going to be here in... She's going to be in New York in like one hour and she's probably gonna be at my house in like two and a half hours so i'm gonna do all the finishing touches i need to do before she gets here so i am gonna put on an audiobook i haven't decided what i want to do i might do animal farm because it's free on audible it's short and i may have read it my freshman year of high school but i honestly obviously i know what it's about um but i honestly have no recollection of reading it so it would kind of be like a first time read for me um Let's see what happens. I might decide not to read that one. I might decide to read something else instead. But obviously, I will update. Um, So we're like basically two books in. It's 10.37 a.m. on the 6th of September. Okay, so now I finished two more books. Um, I finished Love by Maya Etienne, which I really enjoyed. Um, I'm probably going to give that one like four stars. Like I said, it was very quick to get through because it was almost like prose poetry. I loved the writing style. Um, It was a very interesting read. It was like... He followed this sex worker, and it was interesting because she was kind of a self-admitted, unreliable narrator. Like, she would tell you that she was lying, or she would change 
the details of things within the same sentence or misremember things. And I just thought that was really interesting. And, you know, it was like a tragic story, um, but really beautiful at the same time. Um, so I really liked that. The other book I finished was Animal Farm by George Orwell. I listened to it on audio while I did some chores while I was waiting for Marissa, who, by the way, is going to be at my house in like 10 minutes. I wonder if she's been recording her voice memos. Um, either way, that was good too. I don't think I had ever read it. Um, I don't think we read it in high school. I read 1984 in high school. Um, for show, but I, of course, knew all the details of this book. I, like I said, I liked it. I mean, of course, it's, um, it's a, it, it was giving very parable, of course. It's like giving very, we live in a society. Um, but it was an interesting story. And one thing that I kind of liked about the audio is that it kind of sounded like a radio broadcast like you were watching listening to this revolution unfold on the radio which I'm sure is not the experience people who read it have but listening to it I had that experience so that was fun and I would give it like three stars um you know obviously not one of my faves ever because like I don't know I'm sure it is for some people but not for me but it was a good interesting read and added to my account so now I'm three books in and about to start the next one which is the baddest girl on the planet which I'll probably start reading after Marissa arrives um and we'll go from there bang 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 <laughs> that was the voice in our books <laughs> that's what we said um what's the first book you read the first book I read is or was Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Naw. Did you like it? I did. I thought it was, um, it was a quick read. It was fun. I thought that the ending felt like it was a tiny bit rushed and could have been more. But the language in it was pretty beautiful. There were, there were some really good lines where I was like, damn, she's pulling it out. Um, yeah. What? I only know that book from the cover. And is that monster from the cover, like, in the book? Yes. <gasps> it's a kind of a scary monster. Which I was like, this is not going to be in the book. They just had this as a cover. And then it was, and I was Ooh. like, Ooh. Is that is that a translation, or is it in English? Um, was it always in English? I believe it's always in English because... There's just a bunch of white kids who okay. go... Well, they're not white. They're not all white. Um, but there are... I believe they're American or English. I'm not sure. But they go to Japan. Okay, well, that's what I was going to say. Because I looked at that monster on the cover. And I said, that's a Japanese monster. Yes. Because I, I just knew. I'm pretty sure the author is Japanese. And, I mean, two of the characters are half... Japanese. Let me say. What's the... Is it yokai? Is that the name for Japanese ghost? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, she is... She's Malaysian. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Woman of color author. Slut. Very fun. Oh, and actually goes by they, them. They, them. According to Wikipedia. Okay. That is good to know. But Twitter does not say. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah. What's your first one? My first book was Recitatif by Toni Morrison. Love. Which is short story, 40 pages, posthumously published which we talked about this when it first came out, and, like, how do we feel about posthumously published things? Because it feels kind of snaky. Yes. But it also feels, like, really lovely at the same time. Right. So, yeah, I had bought this book a while ago, and I had read the introduction, which is by Zadie Smith, which is amazing. But I hadn't read the story itself, so I read the story itself. And I liked it. Um... I was telling you this, like, it's not, like, my favorite Toni Morrison thing I've ever read. Mm -hmm. But it was good. And it was, it was more like, like, it was more like a thought experiment. Right. Because I talked about this a little in my voice memo, too, but, like, the fact that it was, like, 
They never told... You knew one of the main characters was black and one was white, but you didn't know which one was which. So it kind of felt like Toni Morrison, like, trying to figure out if she could do that. Mm-hmm. And she could. And then it turned into, like, a story. And then I can... Maybe she never published it because she was like, this was just, like, a thought experiment I was doing. But then after she died, someone was like, this is really cool. And published it. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, like, all the stuff that we did in college that we're like, this is trash. We just did this because it was an assignment. But, like... But, like, it is helpful sometimes. It makes you think. It's, like, a good exercise, I was saying, in, like, characterization. Mm. Like, what do you need to know about a character and what don't you need to know? And what do context clues tell you about a character? And how can those context clues be informed by your own biases? Look at her thinking. We, we got big old brains she's, over she's here. She's using her noggin. That was, those were our first books. Mm-hmm. Um, then my second book was Night of the Mannequin by Stephen Graham Jones. And so this is the third time that we've talked about Mr. Stephen Graham Jones on the podcast. And um, I love him. I love him so much, and I think Night of the Mannequins was... It didn't take itself too seriously, and is perhaps my favorite Stephen Graham Jones. It was short, it was quick, it was creepy, there were really interesting moments in it. I liked it, you liked it. Will, will it end up in your top ten of the year, you think? I don't know. I don't know if it had enough all around to be in my top ten of sure. the year. Yeah. Um, but the the main character and narrator just had such a good voice. And, and I think the thing about this book is even though, like, some people would read it and be like, this isn't scary, like, this is just silly. Yeah. I think the scary part is that what the main character was doing, people literally do every day. Mm. Like, I read through that main character overthinking, and I was like, I do that, and I can see how, like, other people, it could take them to points where they don't want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which was, like, interesting to have. I don't know. It's just like you have this teenage kid who's just, like, blabbing on. Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. I like that. I gotta read it. You do. I really gotta read it. What about you? My second book was Love by Maya Etienne is how I've been pronouncing her name. She's Israeli, so I don't know. That sounds kind of French the way I was pronouncing it. So pardon me if that is not how she pronounces it. But it was a short little book. I've been wanting it for a really long time. I put it on hold at work, and then my hold expired, and I forgot the name of the book. And then the other day, I saw it on the shelf, and I was like, we must have run out of it or something Mm -hmm. after my hold expired. And I was like, oh my fucking God. So I bought it right then and there. Um, And it was really good. 100 pages. um, It was like prose poetry. So it looked like a novel. Like, it wasn't like, you know how Autobiography of Red looks kind of like a poem? Yes. This looked like a novel. It looked like paragraphs. But the way the paragraphs were written were very lyrical and very in the style of poetry. Love it. So it didn't look like a poem, but it was a poem when you read it. And it kind of was like an epic, too, because, like, it was about a young sex worker and her life. And, like, because I, I don't know, when I think about prose poetry, like, obviously I think of stuff like Autobiography of Red. But, like, I also think about, like, the Odyssey and the Iliad and the Aeneid. And it's, like, those are epics. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of an epic, even though it was just about, like, this one woman sex worker and her experiences. Um, and it was really good. And it was, like, heartbreaking at times, but also, like, not... If that makes sense. Because I think it's, like, a bad narrative if you say, like, sex work is always heartbreaking. Because it isn't. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, somebody really, that's what they love to do. That's not the case, really, for this person. Um, 
but I don't want to go and say like it's like a it's not like a cautionary tale about sex work by any means. I'm really interested in this boom of sex work um, literature that's coming out too, because there's like two other books I really want that just came out. One is about called The Haunt, and it's another book about like sex workers, and then another one I can't remember the name, but it's about trans sex workers, and I'm like, let's get more sex worker stories. Yeah. Like. I'm so interested in that, and I'm so glad it's, like, talked about now in a way that's not... Like, I'm trying to think of, like, isn't there a sex worker in Catcher in the Rye? I've never read Catcher in the Rye. (gasps) Well, I think she is a sex worker, and it's just, like, how far we've come of, like, here's this side character that's, like, a cautionary tale about sex workers. Right. All the way back then, and now here's stories that center sex workers and all the different facets of what their lives look like, the good, the bad, and everything in between. So I just really like that. I like the book a heck of a lot. I wonder if with OnlyFans blowing up and becoming openly talked about, yeah, um, if that has something to do with it. But also I think that the way that a lot of people talk about OnlyFans is kind of like disrespectful. Right. Like they make it seem like it's like such an easy thing and, and not... Yes, anyone can make an OnlyFans, I guess, but not everyone's going to make money on OnlyFans, and they make it seem like everyone makes money on there, and that's they, not how not it is. True. And I love, like, the way viewers of OnlyFans talk about OnlyFans is, can be derogatory, but usually the way the people who are the, have the OnlyFans account, like, who are creating content, talk about it in such a cool way. Like, I've seen a lot of people say, like, People will say, what's your job? And they're like, I'm an OnlyFans model. And I just love that. Yeah. Like, they're like, I'm an OnlyFans model. I'm a model. Because it is, like, modeling. And then they're producing it all themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, very cool. It's a very cool thing. And this this story, like I said, was, like, kind of... There was parts of it that were sad because she was kind of, like, being pimped out. Right. And that's still, like, a problem sometimes today. Like... Pimps can be a big problem, mm-hmm. and they're the ones who can, and Johns, of course, can still be, like, really dangerous, but a lot of people are just, like, it's a business. Right. Like, you're self-employed, and it's a business, and you're, you're... You're an accountant. You're an accountant, and we love accountants! We love accountants. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. OnlyFans is also just such a good way to do it. I know. Safely. Yes, because no one has to know who you are. You're in the comfort of your own home. You're in charge of your own schedule. Nobody knows where you are. And you can still, you can make millions of dollars Mm -hmm. being an OnlyFans model. Fucking more power to you. Me and Liza are going to make an account. I know. Little sleep, much... Accounting. Accounting. (gasps) Like and subscribe. (laughs) Uh, That would be so slay. That would be And it could be like reading themed. Right. My third book was Through the Woods by Emily Carroll, Um, and it's a graphic novel, and it was a collection of short stories, which was really interesting, Um, and I've read, earlier this year, I read Shiver by uh, Junji Ito. And I will say that I liked it, but thinking, like, after reading Through the Woods, Emily Carroll did something different with the illustrations for each story, and I found that so interesting. Because then it really does feel like each story is its own story. And this, like, something different in style happened or color with each one. And I loved that. And um, the last story literally gave me chills. I made Liza read it. Yeah. I literally handled her the book. I was like, read now. But, um, yeah, it was really beautiful and it was nice. I love that you read graphic novels. Because, like, I don't. But you make me want to read them. I love graphic novels. You have to read my favorite thing is Monsters. I know. Because I have kind of read that for school. Right. But I've never read it, like, cover to cover. I gave... Oh, I also have this really good one. It's called Here. If you guys haven't read Here... I can't think of the guy's first name, but his last name's McGraw, I think. 
This is future Marissa coming in at you. Um, just letting you know that the graphic novel here is actually by not McGraw, but Richard McGuire. So I was close, but not exactly right. So here by Richard McGuire. Either way, guys. Um, and what it is, it's 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 like a living room mm-hmm. through a period of time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they go back to before the house was built, and you can oh, see outside and across I the street. I think you told me about and this. And then, like, on some pages, it's the living room, but, like, it'll show, like, a box on the floor with the cat in it. And the cat's from 1950, but the living room's from 1920, but the person over here is from 1980. That's really so cool. cool. I just think graphic novels are quick. They're easy. They're a good, like, palate cleanser for your brain when you're in a reading stump. A reading mm. stump. A reading slump. Yeah. Because then you feel like you completed a book and it was quick and it was easy and you didn't read a lot and it's like you have the pictures and I don't know it's it helps yeah 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 um slay my third book I listened to it on audio because it's free newsflash if you have an audible account which I'm probably gonna get rid of mine because we hate Amazon mm-hmm. And I'm probably, once I get my library card, going to get a Libby account instead. But for now, I have Audible. And it is nice because if you do pay the subscription, you get, like, the one credit a month to get a book. But you also get a bunch of free books. Usually ones that are in the public domain. So, like, Jane Austen, Mary Shelley, Bram Stoker, anything older. But then there's some newer stuff, too, including... Because I don't think... I don't think any George Orwell is in the public domain. Because it's not that old. But it's free on there. And I had thought I maybe read Animal Farm. I literally couldn't remember because sometimes you write, read it in high school. But I think I had just, like, known the premise because I was listening to it and I was like, I have not read this. I have read 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. Here's the tea. I didn't, like, change my life. Right. And I can see how if some people read it, especially people of a certain age when they first read it, it would change your life. So I would not consider it a problem or like, you know, people on TikTok do like reading red flag, book red flags. I would never consider it a red flag if like, especially an older person, like someone like my dad's age, if someone said, what's your favorite book? And they said Animal Farm. That's cool. Like that's like, do your thing. Definitely not going to be one of my favorite books, but I was entertained it's funny. It's funny. It's fun. And I was saying to Marissa, it's very, and I might have even said this in my voice memo, that it's very much like a parable. And it's very much like a pointed message. And they don't really do that. It's like a, like it is kind of, it's kind of a cautionary tale. Right. It's very, we live in a society. Um, and I enjoyed it. I also said this in my voice memo, but I feel like you'll find this interesting that. I obviously didn't read it. I listened to it. And I don't think someone who read it would have the same experience. But listening to it, to me, felt like a radio broadcast. So for like two hours that I was listening to it, it felt like like a, a live recounting of like political events that were going on. And like an uprising revolution that was going on. Right. And that was really cool. Because it's obviously like they're animals and they're like talking animals. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh my god, Snowball, like, this pig is doing crazy sh-. Like, it felt like a, a radio, and I think it was partly due to the guy's voice. But it was giving, like, an H.G. Wells-type beat because of that, which I, I think is a very different reading of the book than you would have if you read it on paper. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, I definitely didn't... Which it is, it's good that they did that because it is of that time period to be like that. Yeah. And I'm sure that if you read it a long time ago, like when it first came out, you were like, this is changing my life. Right. Um, of course. And I mean, like, like yeah. It's, it's like metaphors for Nazis and shit, right? Yeah, and like communism and... Yeah, 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 yeah. And totalitarianism and um, fascism. If you haven't read Animal Farm... Go read it. Just read it. It's fun. It's, it's fun. And, like, I know everyone's like, oh, my God, Animal Farm is so boring and pretentious and, like, political. Yeah, but, no, it's silly. It's silly. It's, it's very it's really silly. silly. And also, if you don't want to read it, first of all, it's only 120 pages. So, you like, you literally could read it in one sitting. Second of all, if you do it on Audible, it's less than two hours. And I might be psycho, but I listen to everything on Audible at, like, 1.5 speed. 
because mm-hmm. I think the Audible people sometimes read it too slow. Right. And I'm like, pick up the fucking pace. So I put it up to like 1.5, and so it was really only like an hour and a half maybe that it took me to listen to the whole thing. So like, take what? That's like listening that's to a nothing. podcast. Yeah. And then you can tell people because no one's gonna ask how you read it. Then you can tell people you've read Animal Farm. Right. It's that simple. And and I just want you to think. Wouldn't it be so funny if one day you were in town and everyone starts talking about this farm of animals who just, like, ran the humans away That's and hilarious. they just live by themselves? Hilarious. And they were doing crimes. It's so funny. It's funny as fuck. They're animals. That's hilarious. But, um, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Were you sad when, what did, I don't remember exactly, was it the cow when they, like, sold out the cow? Yeah. Or the horse or something? I cried. I did not cry. I cry. I was like, I'm a crybaby. <laughs> it kind of, parts of it, like, stressed me out. Yeah. Like, that's what it felt like, that's why I felt like a radio thing, like, this is gonna sound insane, but, like, when the January 6th situation was happening, I was listening to it on the radio, because mm. my dad and I were driving around, and it was, like, the most surreal moment of my life, and, like, hearing some of the more stressful parts of Animal Farm... I was like, <laughs> like, it felt yes. like that because I was listening to all this, like, craziness collapsing of everything unfold. It's cool. I watched it on TV. I had the same feelings. Yeah. It was, that was insane. I was like, Dad, what do we do? He's like, nothing. And there's, I'm like, what do you mean, nothing? nothing we could, it was so weird, too, because, like, this is a non sequitur, but, like, do you remember this? And it would be, like... The CNN people would be, like, live telling you what was going on, and you could hear the screaming in the background, Mm -hmm. and then they would get all frazzled, and they'd be, like, they've broken into the Capitol, they're inside the Capitol, and I was like, girl, what? Can you imagine having to, like, do that and try to keep calm and, like, tell the people, like, we gotta tell the people. And they were keeping calm, but they were also having, like, a difficult time keeping calm. Which is just insane. Like... Because nobody knew what was going to happen. Like, no. It could it could have been so much worse. It was bad, but it could have been even worse. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Could have burned it down. They could have burned it down. They could have taken over the government, mm-hmm. technically speaking. I mean, they were in there. They could have killed a bunch of people. Right. That was so cr- What a time. We've lived through too many fucking events. Yeah, we stopped that. I'm literally sick of living through the events. I'm done. No more events. No more events. Not one more event. I don't want any current events. I'm done. I'm done. Um, I'm trying to think, like, when, what other time period would people actually feel like that? Ever? I mean, probably, like, World War II and... But, I mean, like, that's one event. That's one event. I mean, like, it's... It's a big event. They, there's probably, like, new things that you're listening about to it. Right. Listening... And, like, watching Vietnam happen on TV. Right. And, like... I just also feel like people used to be so removed from everything... You know what I mean? Because, like, yes. there wasn't social media. Mm-hmm. So you didn't always know what was going on. And you'd learn about it later. And then it probably felt like it was impacting you less. Yeah. But now it's like you get updates to your phone live as kids are getting shot to death in school. And countries are being bombed. And people are breaking into the capital. Mm-hmm. And someone's saying this, that, and the other. Like, you get the live updates. And when Trump was president, it was like, you got an event every fucking day. He's always got to be saying some shit on Twitter. And now it's calmed down a little bit. Because he's not on Twitter. Because he's not on Twitter. And he's Joe got nothing Biden to say. is the president. But it's still, like, not good. Like, it's... Sleepy Joe. Things aren't going well for us. No. <sighs> it's just been nonstop. Because we were born in 1999. Mm-hmm. Which is when, like, all the school shooting shit started. It was in 1999. And then we were, like, little babies, and they were, like, 9-11. Here's another war. I watched that on TV as a, as a child. Me, too. I don't remember. I, apparently, according to my parents, I was on the bed, and I was trying to wake them up, and they were sleeping, and I was saying, Mommy, look, the plane's crashing in the building. Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. That's And my mom haunting. was like, what? That's really haunting. Yeah. Me chilling as a kid, like, that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> you were like, hey, this mo- this action movie slays. <laughs> Girl. Aw, silly. Um, what was your fourth book? Yeah, we got off topic. My fourth book was The Baddest Girl in the World by Heather Freeze. And I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the... We were talking about this. Like, sometimes literary fiction, you kind of just feel like you're walking around. Yeah. And this was very much giving. 
you're walking around. But it also had a lot of drama. Like, if you love chaotic people who get themselves into just chaotic situations that are, like, kind of embarrassing, you would like this book. But also, she always got herself out of this. Like, she would, like... It was empowering and embarrassing and, like, very real. Mm -hmm. And the best thing about it... It was only 230 pages, so it's another quick read. Um, It was hilarious, but also it made me, like, very sad. Um, And the best thing about this book is... I was telling Missy... The front... There wasn't really a front story and a back story, because you actually can't tell which is... um, What year the anything is the front story is taking place but there's like entries all the way from like 1999 to 2019 cool um but usually the ones in like the later like in the 2013 2019 is first person but then the older ones like 2008 to 1999 were second person but she was kind of switching it up. Like, I feel like there were some later entries that were second person and some early entries that were first person. But it was just so cool. Because, and I remember reading the flap on the book, and it was, like, all written in second person. And I was like, this must just be to get you into, like, the mood of putting yourself in this woman's shoes. Like, you do this. You do that. You. I didn't think the book was going to be like that, especially because the first chapter was first person. So I almost didn't even realize it when a few chapters later it was second person. And it wasn't until I was, like, halfway through the book that I was like, holy shit, is this flipping back and forth between first and second? And it was really cool, and I think that's part of the reason why the book felt so, like, emotional, like, why you felt all the feelings she felt, because the writer was saying, like, you do this, you do that. And I was like, girl, what? Like, I was like, I am doing that. It was crazy, and I really liked it. Like, it was one of the more interesting books I've read um, recently, even though it was kind of, like, aimless. In a, in a lot of ways. Right. And, like, the one thread going through it was that she's, like, the baddest, like, that she's, like, a bad girl, but she's not. That was the one thread. And the other thread was Mike Tyson, which yes. was just so fucking funny. And then there was also, like, a thread of, like, her different relationships. So, like, her relationship with her son, her relationship with her ex-husband and, like, her, her new boyfriend and, like, other boyfriends she's had, her relationship with her best friend and her relationship with her dead aunt's dog. And that was the part that made me, like, really sad. Like, at the end. It was just so, like... There's something about real life that's so devastating. Yes. We were just talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Like, real life is just really fucking bad. Like It's like a bad joke it, all it, the time. It's a bad joke, and it's literally, like, things that are so normal are so devastating. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, like, a book doesn't always have to have, like, crazy tragedy happening for it to, like, break your heart a little bit. Right. And that's what I really liked about this book. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, how I feel about horror a lot of times. The best horror is not, like, always super scary monsters and gross stuff and gore and stuff like that. Like, sometimes it's just devastating. Right. Like, Lull by Kelly Link. I like that because it's devastating. It's devastating. Like, the weird shit that's happening is just, like, a bonus. Right. But, like, the, the thing that horrified me about that when I first read it is simply that he's just so in love with Susan. Yeah. Like, devastating, bro. It breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with horns. It's just devastating. Yeah, it is. And we love that. Um, I read another book this morning, but it doesn't count for yesterday. But I'll tell you about it anyways. I read Lore Olympus by, I think her name's Rachel Smythe. Yeah. Um, read it online. It's fun, and, like, it's fun to flip through it, and I like looking at it, and, like, I don't know. I I like the idea that it is based in mythology and all that fun stuff, and I'm sure lots of people would like it. I just don't know. Like, am I going to buy the next one? I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense, especially if it is free online. Like, why wouldn't you... It's like, I love flipping through. Like, I, I want to hold a book in my hand every time. Totally. But I'm just like, it was like $40. That's a lot of money. 
That's good to know, though. Yeah. So that's that on that. That's our reading challenge. Would you do it? Would you do it again? Like, would you spend a whole day? Because technically speaking, we didn't spend a whole day because Marissa came here and we got into like our other shenanigans. Mm-hmm. But like, would you ever do that again? Yes, I would too. It I was like fun. It. Yeah. If you have the time and you have a day off and you don't have stuff that you have to do, do that. It's nice to like step outside of yourself for a little bit. And it was fun too to switch locations. Mm-hmm. Like it would be even more fun to like read a different book in a different location yeah. for a whole day. So like read the first book in your house and then go to the cafe and then go to the library and then go to the park and then go to the bar. Right. And reading doesn't have to be like a lonely thing. Go Not read with all. your friends. We were reading right next to each other and it was super cute and fun. We were at like a coffee shop slash cocktail bar yeah. reading. That's cool. Do that. You sh- Yeah, people should be less afraid to do that. You don't always need to be chit-chatting with your friend. Right. For it to be fun. Like you can just be in a space with each other. Last time I came to New York, I was at a little cocktail bar that I just kind of stumbled upon and I went into and I sat there by myself for like a good two hours and like read a book while I was waiting for everyone to get off work. That was fine. That's and so even fun. like the lady at the bar was like, How can you read in here like with all the music? And I was like, I don't know, I just tune it out. And she's like, I admire you. That's so amazing. Yeah. And I was like, Bestie, I admire I you. Admire you. It's so cute. It's really cute to hang out with yourself too. Yes. And when you're hanging out with yourself in a book, it's almost like you're not by yourself. Right. Take yourself on a on, on a date. On a reading date. Do it. Get a meal, mm-hmm. get a drink, and then read your book. And that's so pussy slay. That's very pussy slay of you. As Nick says, pussy slay. To quote Mr. Nick. I can't believe we got your pussy straight slay. ass, old ass boyfriend saying pussy, pussy slay. slay. <laughs> uh, that's so pussy slay that. That is so that's pussy slay of him. I'm going to get him to say it again today. Pussy slay. Um, also watch The Black Phone on Peacock. Oh, it was great. We watched it together. It was so scary. I'm still thinking about Ethan Hawke being fucking scary. He's creepy. He was quietly scary in that. Right. Film. Ew. Ah, Did he, he covered his face. once? No. And he would, like, change his voice. And he would change his mask. And he giggled at one point, Ooh. and I literally, like, got sick. And he was sick. totally a pedophile, but we talked about it, and it wasn't, like, in a... Obviously, it was offensive because he was a pedophile, but, like, it wasn't triggering. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, because I've never experienced... Thank God, I've never experienced a pedophile. I have, so it wasn't triggering. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> 37 minutes. Um, but, yeah, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So you can watch this movie without being, like severely right. traumatized by a pedophile and still know that some it's the pedophilia is going on. Weirdly enough, I just realized this. The violence that you actually see happen towards a child mm-hmm. does not happen by Ethan. No, it happens by other kids. And you, with the dad. And with the dad, you never see what the grabber did to those kids. You see them You see the aftermath, after. but you never see what he did. Wild. Ew, when he went down there and he was like, I just wanted to look at you. I was like, I'm going to fucking call the police. It made me think of, um... A Star is Born. Yes. yes. <laughs> really? Yes. I just want to take another look at you. <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> so, yeah, watch watch Black Phone. Don't watch They Slash Them. Marissa didn't watch it. I watched it. Not good. And Stand Joe Hill. Yeah. Yeah, that crazy bitch. We love him. We love Joe. Does he want to come on the podcast? Joe, will you come? Will you come on the podcast? Please. Will you write a new book? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He will. He'll do it. Next comic I really want to read is either The Sandman. Yes. That's... The, the like, volume one is, like, very big, and it's so expensive. I just don't feel like doing it. But, um... Joe Hill has a comic, a graphic novel series. He does. And I watched the show, and I liked the show. Yeah. So I want to actually read it. You should. And it it seems like it's on the lighter side. I think it's kind of for kids. Yeah. So. So. I like like teenagers. I like it. I like it. Um, What are we doing next week? Musical. 
Yeah. We have special guests next week. Yeah, special guests. <laughs> um, next week, we are doing book to musical adaptations with Schnan Money. Schnan, Annie Planker, one of our favorite people in the whole wide freaking world. In the whole world. We love her so much. She my little soulmate. She's just a bit. She's your twin flame. She's my twin flame. And I just love her. She's like my little mom, but she's also my friend. Nanny's so interesting because I feel like she is giving me mom friend vibes. But also when me and her are together, I feel like it's not that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Does that make any sense? She's good at fitting any role you throw at her. Yeah. Like when I'm with Nanny, it's just so chill. Right. Oh, I just love her. Like, I just feel so safe. Yes. I think part of the reason why me and Annie are such good friends is because when we were in Berlin, she, like, ne- like missed her sisters and needed her little sisters. And I'm very much little sister. Yes, you are. So it, like, Anyways, worked out so. where I was like, a big sister, I would take that. Yeah. Yeah. Schnan money. Schnan money. What are you reading? I'm reading Wicked by... Gregory McGuire. And I'm reading. I literally don't even know who wrote it. Let's check. Big Fish is the name of the book by Daniel Wallace. And it is a movie, musical, and a Broadway musical. But a book first. And then I'm 99% sure Annie's reading The Color Purple, right? Um, I'm pretty sure what she said. Okay, so Annie read The Color Purple by Alice Walker. So three very different books. She's going to be so depressed. I know. I Yeah, I had to read it in high school, and it did depress me very much. So, and, But I loved it. It was so good. So I'm curious. And then she said she's going to rewatch the movie. I don't know if she's seen the musical, but you've seen Wicked. Mm-hmm. Twice. Twice. And I'm going to watch the Big Fish movie. But I've never seen the musical either. But I think the movie is the musical, so. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Figure it out. It's going to be fun. And so that's that. That's that. That's all they said. That's all they did. That's all they were thinking. And we'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye.